Good morning. My name is Stephen Riley. I'm lead pastor here at Living Waters Church. It's an honor to serve you uh, as your lead pastor, and it is so much fun to have uh, some extra celebration here at the church for July 4th. Freedom is not free. Uh, as my t-shirt says, home of the brave. And there's been brave men and women who've gone before us, have fight for our freedom. Many died for our freedom, and we thank God for them. Um, uh, thank God with these representatives from uh, Sudan, the Congo, uh, Iran, where we are an answer to prayer. Our nation is an answer to prayer of, for freedom uh, for many people. Uh, my father uh, went on about 25 Africa uh, mission trips, and, uh, and early on was in the Congo. It was called Zaire back then, and I was a uh, middle schooler. My dad was starting to leave and at, at times, uh, you know, every few years and head to the Zaire, and that's where the Congo is. So uh, he had a heart for Africa, and had, he had a, a going mentality, a mentality uh, to obey God's word and go and make disciples. And <clears throat> we have in the house today with us Someone who is brave, who is courageous, and is a goer. Uh, she's a sent one. And Sharnay Irvine grew up as a, as a little girl up in this church and school. Got married to Jeremiah Nemeth. And uh, they live in Alaska, deep in Alaska. She, um, I want her to come on down, Sharnay. We want to uh, hear a few words from Sharnay. Come on down. And uh, Charnay was just this sweet, uh, little blonde-headed girl growing up uh, in this church and school and all that. But she is a wild, crazy, courageous woman. Uh, her and her husband leave deep into Alaska and, uh, and a really, it's, it's like another world up there from when I look at the newsletters and see pictures and things. And um, I'm so sorry, so your, your father's father passed away, so you're... You're in for funeral services and so forth. And uh, Judy Irvine, so good to see you, uh, missing you. But let's give Charnay a few minutes just to share uh, what her and her husband are doing, what the God is doing there. Um, we're coming around. Uh, my husband is in Fort Yukon. It's above the Arctic Circle. So if you look at the map, um, Alaska is like this. The Arctic Circle is right here. And we're eight miles above it in uh, <laughs> okay. the Arctic Desert. Um, so right now it's 85 and there's lots of sand everywhere and the sun never goes down. Um, it's too hot and there are too many bugs and I have already started praying for the snow to come back. So everybody keeps telling me to stop. So, but, um, we've been up there for, uh, he was there for a year and a half before me. So his 15 year mark is in October. And so I just hit my 13 year mark and we've been married for 13 years. We have three kids, uh, 10, six and two and um, they're wild. We, uh, when we first got there, there was this little tiny log cabin of a church and uh, really hard to heat. So when it hit like 35, 40 below, we would have to have church at the house. And so, um, so my house was constantly this never-ending ministry spot. So uh, after quite a while, we hit our 13-year mark for Jeremiah. We actually, from the first service that he preached in the little tiny log cabin that needs to be torn down 
it's still up for debate. And um, <laughs> from and then we moved into the new church. It was exactly 13 years. And so um, we now have this new facility with uh, staff housing and I have my own kids room, like where I can actually put stuff up and leave it there. We don't have to have a special day. And um, we have bathrooms, there's plumbing people. <laughs> um, so that's a big thing. It's all like, can I use your bathroom? And was like, yes, and there are three in here. So uh, it's the talk of the town, you know, uh, the building wow. has bathrooms. <laughs> so we have elders that can actually come to church now. And so uh, there's a ramp and there are bathrooms. But God's just really blessed the ministry, and um, we're going to continue on. They're actually fixing my house right now, so it's in shambles, and we're living in the church. So, um, but yeah, that's... Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Don't go anywhere. So, um, just a couple quick questions. So, 30 below and no bathroom? Yeah, I guess that is the talk of the town, isn't it, man? Okay. Um, so, what, what, I mean, I, I just know so little, I don't like know nothing. So, above the Arctic Circle... Is there different languages up there? Is it all just American English? What is it like? So we're in the Yukon Flats, which is seven communities, and we are the Gwich'in Athabascans, which are Indians, not Eskimos. Okay. So it's different. All right. So Gwich'in is their dialect. Okay. So I don't know how else to explain that, but right. it's very hard. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, so, so it's hot and, and, and a lot of bugs right now, sun go down. Mm -hmm. So the sun will go down. Does it stay dark where you live uh, for a time? Or yeah, it's going to start losing daylight next month. Next month? Yeah. And then will you, does the sun come up during the winter months? So it does, but it shortens. By the time you hit December, we have a day where it doesn't come up at all, and then it goes back again. Okay, okay. So we hit dark. It's like dusk. Okay, all right. Wow. Okay. So, so what kind of, how do you, you know, reach the children and families there? In the wintertime, it's a little bit more difficult. You just know where everyone lives. And I have a list of elders that we go and visit. And I have my list of kids that I, we've been joking that I need to get a bus and run around. <laughs> and uh, so, but if we can get our hands on one, I would. Right now, I just use our we have a side-by-side -side and a trailer, and then I run around, and kids just jump on. So, okay, okay, yeah. all right. Um, so tell us a few ways how we can be praying for you. We want to pray for you here before, before we leave. Tell us a few things that you guys need or something for the ministry. Right. Um, Your house, if a house will get finished. Yeah, the house is getting finished soon, so that's another thing. Um, we do have quite a few needs the the new church has a few things that it needs to to finish it up like it needs a new stove uh for the ladies to be able to cook and stuff like that and since we've been living in the church i've been making a list but uh and we need staff that's my biggest thing right now so right now it's just jeremiah and i with the ministry and it's kind of hard to with the kids and everything so we need someone that wants to come up and help with youth ministry mm -hmm. okay so. all right Anybody, even Kentucky, be from Kentucky, right? If your heart from desires. From Living Waters, yeah, around yeah. here. All right, okay, yeah. great, awesome. Awesome, man, that'd be awesome. Okay, good, good, man. Wow, do you see the courage in that? Hey, aren't you amazed? Oh, boy, she's a sent one, and God puts this courage uh, for people to go. And uh, it is the movement of the kingdom is to go, and, and that's, that's what they're doing. So um, you're a hero. Let's pray for you, okay? 
Father, uh, we want to pray for a provision uh, for this ministry, this church, this outreach, Lord. We pray for uh, Jeremiah and Charnay and their three children as you protect them, you guard them, and you prosper them, Lord God, in every way. Lord, we pray for the home to be uh, finished in a timely manner, in a, in, a, with, in a quality manner, Lord. We pray, Lord God, for, um, uh, uh, Lord Jesus, these provisions in reaching families and children uh, during the wintertime. We pray for a bus. If that's a desire in our heart, we pray with her, Lord, and lift that up to you for a bus uh, a good working bus, uh, Lord God, in that area to reach children and families. Lord God, we pray, Lord God, for staff to build the team, the ministry team, Lord God, around them, Lord Jesus. Lord God, we pray for more goers, more senders, uh, sent ones to go, and for us to be senders if we're not going, Lord God, and, 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 and give provisions and in prayer and encouragement and finances to their ministry, Lord God. So, Father, we pray, Lord, you to increase them, provide for them. We pray for the uh, Irvine family as they are together this week um, in, uh, in funeral services. We pray your Holy Spirit uh, unite them in comfort for one another, and your Holy Spirit comfort them in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right. Tell us one more thing. How can we you have a website, that's right. So why don't you tell us about that so we can get it, see how we can connect with you. It's a it's missionalaska.org. Um, it's been our slogan since we started the whole missions journey. And uh, so it, Jeremiah keeps a blog um, going. He's really techie. I'm like, I just figure out how to actually make things send. I'm not very techie. So, um, but he keeps everything updated with new photos and stuff. And there's also a place to sign up for um, either electronical newsletters or okay. uh, one through the mail. So, okay. yeah. Mission Alaska? Missionalaska.org. .org. All right. Let's give this amazing lady and her family a big hand. Wow. Mm. Oh, wow. I tell you, what an honor privilege I, I was just shocked seeing her face when i walked in this morning i was just just total shock charnay's in the house today i couldn't believe it you know not a short trip not one you make every day uh, so it was great seeing her well it is a um a privilege to uh, teach god's word we are in matthew chapter 8 we are celebrating uh july 4th and our independence and freedom as a nation Encourage you to enjoy summer, wear a t-shirt, wear flip-flops. I personally don't do flip-flops because of that thing that goes in between your toes. I just can't stand it. The thing is so uncomfortable. I wear sliders, uh, but I have really hairy toes, and I didn't want to freak out the children and the little ladies and things. So I just said, I'll wear shoes. But it's so good just to relax a little bit and uh, be together. As uh, many of you have had cooks-outs, you're going to have cookouts and and that kind of thing, and there's a lot of family time and and, uh, but I'm really enjoying this uh, deeper study for me in the book of Matthew. We're in Matthew chapter 8 and 9 today. And uh, uh, I am growing to love Matthew more and more. In fact, in the past, John was my favorite gospel, then Luke, then Matthew, then Mark. Well, Matthew has passed Luke and is getting close to John right now. And we'll see what happens because I am just loving what, how... Uh, by the Holy Spirit inspiration, Matthew has designed the way he's written this book and uh, this story. And this whole study of Matthew is we're getting to uh, see 
Jesus for who he really is. And one aspect that we're going to see today is that he is the king, and he has authority. And so we're going to see in this uh, two chapters that uh, there is great authority of the king in, uh, in these two chapters. And I was in my devotional this week, and starting the book of Hebrews, read the first few verses, and uh, it's pointing to, hey, uh, we're going to be looking to Jesus in this book. And verse 3 says of Hebrews 1, 3, and he is the radiance of his Father's glory in the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. And when I, I just stopped, I didn't read anymore for the day. That was it. And that phrase, he is the exact representation of his father's nature. And, and I was like, oh, my goodness. And I looked in some other uh, versions of the Bible, and it said, you know, he's the, he's the imprint of God on the earth. He is the express image of his person. And that's what the honor we have of studying a, one of the Gospels is we're going deeper into the character of Jesus. We've seen it come out in the Sermon on the Mount series that we've just finished. And now we're seeing Jesus in action, demonstrating the authority of the king in these two chapters. In fact, these two chapters have more miracles recorded by Matthew than any other chapters later on in the gospel. He is pouring out a series of recorded miracles uh, to us, and each one has a specific lesson with it that we're going to see today. Let's just pray over our hearts as we dig into God's Word. Lord Jesus, you are amazing. You are the exact representation of your Father, of His nature. And so it is our honor to study about you when we're asking in this uh, message in, out of Matthew that, again, you just uh, give us wisdom and uh, insight on who you really are and what you're really like. And uh, we just want to fall more and more in love with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So normally, as I'm going through a study like this, I'm looking for specific verses and going over every verse, and, and I was going to kind of do that. But as I read several chapters here, 8, 9, and 10, I realized there's a message in these three chapters. And I didn't want to just uh, go for a few verses this week and a few verses... We're actually covering two chapters today and stick our finger in chapter 10 as this, uh, the authority of the king will last at least two parts, maybe three. And, um, and so we're going to do kind of like a survey where we're going we're to hit most of it, not all of it. We're not going to dig too deep in every detail, but I'm going to cover as much as I can. And what we're finding in these two chapters is there's a bang, 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 more or less, a list of 12 miracles that happen in these two chapters. Of course, if I encourage you to read with me, uh, and, and I hope you're doing that. You would, you would know that already. And, uh, but in, within these two chapters and into chapter 10, three chapters, there is an, the issue of Christ's authority brought up over, over and over again. And this was a, a big deal with the Pharisees and Sadducees. Those are the religious leaders who did not like Jesus because he was, in a sense, turning the people's attention away from them and their control and to him. 
And, uh, and they, they even blunt out said later in Matthew, I think it's uh, Matthew 21, just flat out said, listen, who, by what authority do you do these things? And they asked him this question. He said, well, let me ask you a question. He asked a question about John the Baptist. Well, they were scared to answer it, afraid of what the people might think. And he said, well, if you're not going to answer me, I'm not going to answer you either. And, uh, and so he showed them, hey, I'm an authority. You might be the religious leader, but I don't have to answer your questions. <laughs> and in this chapter 8 and 9, repeatedly, he is demonstrating his authority as king of the universe, as Lord of lords, as the Savior over all of us, and he repeats this in these miracles, and Matthew lets this message come through really, really strong. And, you know, it, I should have realized this, uh, I guess, because at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, there's this verse in verse Matthew uh, 7. It just says, simple, uh, verse 28 and 29, and when Jesus finished these words, that was the Sermon on the Mount, the crowds were amazed at amazed for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So that's really the launch into chapter 8. So let's look at miracle number one. We're actually going to look at briefly at all 12 miracles. I'm not going to read uh, each one word for word, but we're going to look at each one. So the first one is the healing of a leper. And a little background there. In those days, leprosy was, uh, you know, a, a well-known disease, not so well-known today, it's very rare. And it was really the worst one to get because it just didn't fit, uh, uh, mess with you physically. Would, your sensory nerve endings would stop and die, and you couldn't feel anything. And it would deteriorate your, your skin, your flesh, but you would touch things hot and so forth, you wouldn't even know it. And they believed it was contagious, and so they would make you, once you were diagnosed with leprosy, you, had, you were unclean and you had to go live somewhere else. And this ruined your career. This ruined your, your finances, your home. You had to leave your family. You, you, may, you lost your job. You had to live in another colony. You had to then cover your mouth and keep six feet away from people and say, leper here, leper here. You had to have social distance. Your rest of your life, folks, not for six, eight, ten months. It was the epitome of abandonment and rejection from the community, from your family, from your society. And so the, the, just the, the legend, this tradition was that it must be some kind of judgment of God. You must have done something uh, awful or bad, something secret, maybe nobody know, knew about it, and because this is so awful, it must be a judgment for God. So this, was, this was, didn't just hit you physically. All your relationships were now uh, divided and separated. Now you're, you're emotionally detached from the community. You're rejected. You're seen as an outcast, and it was awful to have this disease and the judgment uh, and the shame that came with it. Let's just read about what happened here in verse 2 or 3 of Matthew 8. And a leper came to him, Jesus, bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand, touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Notice that this leper recognized him as an authority. He said he bowed down to him. 
and then he called him Lord. So this leper realized and recognized who Jesus was. And he said, if you're willing, because if you're not, I won't be healed. But if you're willing, then I can be healed. Because you're the authority. Jesus reached out, which people, as Jesus was getting closer and closer to him, they're going, what is he doing? His disciples said, what is he doing? What is he doing? And he's getting closer. He's, he's going to touch him. Oh, no, he's going he's to spread. He's, he touched a leper? Yes, and he brought healing to this man. And so this first uh, miracle is a leper healed in verses four, uh, 1 through 4, and it's the authority over shame and rejection. Yeah, it's a physical healing, but it did much more than that, folks. Jesus is, has the authority, he's a good king, and he wants to deliver us from shame and rejection and restore us in Uh, in our lives, in our hearts. That cloud of shame and humiliation was broken. The rejection was removed. They were reunited. Let's go to the next miracle. It's about the centurion shoulder. Goodness gracious. Let me get some water on this one. The centurion soldier. That's better. These guys had a hundred soldiers underneath them. They were the main authority over those hundred. They could just give them orders at any time and with the, and with the Jewish people. So they were very entrenched in the community life. The Roman soldiers were oppressors of the nation of, and the people of Israel. And um, it was just weird that this centurion would even be around Jesus. In fact, I'm sure his disciples and others are going, what is, this, what is this centurion going to do? Who's, who is, who's, who's going to report us to? He's going to get us in trouble. Is he going to try to arrest somebody? I mean, they would have been watching him and hoping he would just go away. But that's not what happens, is it? Let's see what happens here in these verses. Let's go to, I'm going to read this time also verse 5 through 10. And when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, imploring him, and saying, uh, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and another come, and he comes, and to my slave do this, and he does it. Now, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, Truly I say to you, I have found no such great faith with anyone in Israel. So it's pretty shocking when the centurion goes, uh, Lord, calls him Lord. and, and, And the hearers are going, this Gentile? He's not one of God's people. What is he uh, calling this man? This... Where does he have the right to do that? He shouldn't even be here. The centurion is, is approaching him, and they're, uh, they're probably wondering, is, he gonna, is this just a trick? Does he really have, uh, you know, a sick servant? Maybe he's just tricking him. But he says, but Jesus senses knows that all this is authentic, all this is real. And he calls him out, Lord. And he also says that, I, too, am a man under authority. 
Now, when I, I, did you catch that when you read it? I mean, does it like stick out to you? It's like, hold it. Now, Jesus is the king. He is the uh, final authority. Well, what, why, how could he get away from saying that? Jesus didn't correct him. He didn't put him down for that. Because he is. Jesus said that I do what I see my father doing. I say what, what, I want, what my father wants me to say. He is under authority. And then his father exalts him as king. And so that's not backwards. It's not, it's not messed up. It might be in our minds, in our worldly thinking. But it's not in the kingdom's mind. And so Jesus knew, boy, this guy really does understand authority, and he understands faith. It goes together. A few verses later, verse 13, And Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. Wow, what a surprise. This whole thing is a surprise. Uh, Jesus is, is entertaining, uh, you know, engaging with the centurion. He's an oppressor. This is just a shock. All this, and then, and then God is, uh, Jesus is responding to him. And then, so this miracle, uh, number two, the centurion servant is healed, is miracle number two. And what we're seeing about Christ's authority is this. The authority can even move through military pressers. It'll be a surprise who God uses with faith to move with his power. That Christ's authority moves through space and distance. He didn't, Jesus offered to go to his house, but hey, prayer doesn't know distance. It doesn't know space. And his, Christ's authority can just happen, boom, at his word, however many miles away his home was, that servant were who, who laid there sick. And then his authority, Christ's authority, gives rise to great faith. And Jesus honored him above all these Jewish people, and even religious leaders, and said, this, this Roman that you despise has great faith because he understands authority. We need to catch that, folks. That submitting to God, submitting under the authorities God has given us, there's blessings in that, and it will, it will release you and free you in faith. Authority gives rise to great faith. Let's go on to the next miracle. It's Peter's mother-in-law. And this story is, is uh, you know, uh, Peter's mother-in-law is sick with the fever. Jesus comes into the room, and it just says in, in Matthew eight fifteen that he, he just touched her, and her fever left her. And she just got up and, you know, started waiting on him. And so this third miracle is Peter's mother-in-law. And what we're gaining in Christ's authority is that this authority and this power can move through touch. As we read later in scriptures, there's an instruction to lay hands on the sick when we pray. It's one of the ways to pray for those who are sick and hurting. It's not the only way. There's many ways that we'll find in the scriptures to pray for others and those who are sick, but this is one of them. That authority can pass through touch. The next miracle uh, is about uh, just a, a statement about the crowds and the mass, masses that came. Uh, Matthew 8, verse 16 and, 19, uh, 16 and 17 say, When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were ill. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. So we see authority can pass through touch, but it says he healed them with a word. Say, hey, great, you know, be still, 
before the Lord, pray quietly to yourself. These are forms of prayer. It's really good. But there are times that you need to release the authority by speaking the word. Be healed. You're here. Lord Jesus, your will be done in this person's life. Lord, bring provision. You need to speak it out and say it with your mouth. There is power when you speak uh, God's will, God's word with your mouth. There is power there, and Jesus is demonstrating that. So miracle four is delivered. He delivered many and healed all. And it said, by the authority through his word, his spoken word, but also he had authority from the word. And Matthew goes into Isaiah 53, and he uh, requotes a statement, a scripture, saying that this is Jesus. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. And, you know, that's, if you look at us in Isaiah, that's about Jesus dying on the cross. That chapter is. And so Matthew is connect, he's making a connection. I'm thinking, well, listen, this is his authority before uh, he died on the cross. But this, uh, Matthew's making a connection to it. And I'm not sure how all that works in the spirit. But by faith, that sacrifice was working. And he took our infirmities and carried away our diseases, even when he was walking on earth. He had authority from the word. The next miracle is different. Uh, it's not a healing miracle. And, and again, I'm just asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you about maybe one, two, or three of these miracles that you need this encouragement today, July 4th in your life. And this is, this is different. This is about the storm. Uh, Jesus got in the boat with his disciples. They were out there in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, and just it's known that in that uh, region, these storms can whip up really quickly, and they were about ready to sink. Now, these guys, most of them, several of them lived around the Sea of Galilee. They understood, they were fishermen, they understood the storms, they understood the waves and all that, but it was so bad, they're freaking out, and they're they're thinking, we're going to drown. We're going to drown, and somehow Jesus was sleeping through all this. All that tossing and turning, he must have been really tired Did Jesus ever get tired? He just finished healing many, delivering many from from demons and healing all. I mean, he he just gave so much and just poured. So he's really tired. He's just sound asleep, maybe snoring like I do as I'm finding out more and more as I get older and I'm getting snoring more and more. And uh, maybe he was even snoring. And they had to, to go wake him up. And... They, they just, he, he, he just stands up and says, hey, why are you afraid, you men of little faith? And he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea and became perfectly calm. And the next verse says this, verse 27 of Matthew 8. The men were amazed and said, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? So they're seeing him uh, have authority over sickness, disease, and all this rejection, depression, just lifted off as God... Uh, delivers them from darkness, and they're so, much, so excited. But they said, this, this is another realm we haven't seen. So miracle five is he calmed the storm and the sea because they notated that in, back in, this, in, in their statement. He made even the winds and the sea obey him. So perhaps, yeah, the wind stopped, and then the waters became calm perhaps instantly. And you know how if you're on the sea, it's going to take some time before those waves really calm down. Well, it just, it just 
must have happened instantly. And they're going, even the waves obey him. The mighty waves of the sea. And what, it, what we learn is authority. He has authority over weather and the waters. And so the question is, should we pray about the weather? Should we pray about the weather? Oh, Lord, we have a, some suntanning planning tomorrow afternoon. I'm asking for those clouds to leave tomorrow afternoon. I mean, you know, it might depend on what we're praying about, right? But I've, I've heard many of weddings that uh, people prayed and those clouds, you know, stayed away and then the wedding was over and then started raining for that outdoor wedding. You know, I mean, you hear stories and, of course, st- uh, storms and, and bad storms. I mean, you should be praying for protection for your home and property when storms are around. And uh, you can believe it that believers who live around the coastal lands for hurricanes, they're praying for protection for their properties, aren't they? So God, you can pray for, uh, about the weather, and, and you just let the Lord lead you in that, and he'll give you guidance, and you just you pray for protection, absolutely. The next miracle is about the two men in the country of the Gardarines who were demon-possessed. They were so full of demons that in other Gospels it's recorded that they could break chains. And it wouldn't be human strength. It would be supernatural strength of evil forces. And, you know, in a, in a modern-day, contemporary, Western world, we, we don't really believe much in the spiritual realm. Uh, we don't really believe demons are really out there. And, um, well, I, you know, other countries... Uh, they understand it because they see it. They have witch doctors that actually mess around with demons and cast curses on people. They see it happen in one, two, three. Yeah, I guess there are demons. Oh, yeah, I heard that evil voice. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, uh-huh. So it's really us. It's, it's, it's us modern Western culture that has in this uh, age of, this, uh, of living in, in the world have discounted that. It's actually been understood uh, you know, for many centuries that they exist. And I'll, I'll just be honest, I have been involved in, in, uh, in plan to in the future, in, in any time, that the Lord will use me as someone praying over someone who is oppressed uh, or possessed of demons. And I believe, in, believe that in the name of Jesus they will leave. And I've done this ministry. And I can tell you there is unusual strength, even with a, a teenage girl who is and the strength in their arms and all when they're resisting, and it's not them, it's this demon that doesn't want to let go of its power and influence. But every name must bow to the name of the king, the King Jesus. And to see the peace and the Holy Spirit come and rest on them is the most exciting moment of, uh, of, your, of your life because you're saying, I saw the evil and darkness in their eyes and their countenance in this unusual strength and now they're free they're they're just praising god there's a smile there's peace in their eyes you're all, you're going they're free they're free and these two demons in this area of the region were so well known people were scared of them because they were so mighty and strong and violent and people just stayed away from them And Jesus comes upon these two, and these demons speak to him and recognize him as the authority, as the Son of God. And they ask this kind of strange question. It's like, oh, you know, 
we know we're leaving these two guys. We're going somewhere. Can you, we like to be in a body of something. So could you please, instead of just not send us somewhere, just send us into these pigs. And you know what? In, in the Jewish times, pig was an unclean uh, food. So Jesus, being a good Jew, honoring the kosher uh, uh, type things to eat properly, he's like, yeah, well, you know, pigs, I don't really want this uh, industry to be blessed anyway. It's, it's against uh, God's Old Testament law. Sure. So he sends these demons into these pigs, and this massive herd of pigs just go crazy and go down into the sea and drown themselves. And this is really, I mean, it, I'm trying to think in my mind quickly. This is the only place where Jesus healed and delivered and the townspeople came out and said, please leave. You've just ruined our whole industry of raising and selling pigs, you know, to Jews and other people. Uh, what other industries are you going to ruin if you stay here anymore, any, any longer? Our prostitution industry, perhaps? Uh, our other breaking the laws of other, uh, you know, Jewish laws? What other things are you going to crush? So they said, please leave Jesus, and he did. But in this miracle number six, we're seeing that in the deliverance of the gathering demoniacs, that he had a authority over demons, and it can be many demons, not just one or two, but a, a legion of demons, and the authority over economies, that his work, his good work to set a couple of guys free can change the economy of a whole area just like that. Let's go to the next one. Jesus, again, in this next miracle, is stepping in another realm, not just the physical. And uh, some friends brought uh, a, a paralytic lying on a bed, and they brought him on this mat. And he, Jesus was touched um, by their, the faith that they were determined to get to him. And Jesus says to this paralytic, he says, Take courage, son, your sins are forgiven. And when the religious leaders heard this, they're like going, freaking out. What did he just say? Blasphemies. He doesn't have the authority to say your sins are forgiven. And it says in Matthew 9, verses, starting verse 4, it says, And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why are you thinking evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But so that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, get up, pick up your bed, and go home. And he got up and went home. And when the crowd saw this, they were awestruck and glorified God who had given such authority to men. And so Jesus is saying, yeah, I have authority. This is really not hard for me. Uh, not just over his uh, physical disease that kept him in this mat. We're going to just not give him freedom physically, but freedom in his soul and spirit. Because I'm going to forgive him of whatever guilt and judgment he feels like he is living under. And, and Jesus, you know, he's working by the Spirit. So he knows, yeah, this guy does have some kind of sin that he's worried about, that he believes I'll never get healed. I don't deserve this healing because of my sin. Perhaps he was sinning when the accident happened, perhaps, when, and he became a paralytic and pain, became paralyzed. He said, I deserve this. And he's saying, no, he did, Jesus didn't heal him first. He forgave him first and set him free of that guilt and judgment. So this miracle, number seven, forgiving of the paralytic man's sins is authority over guilt 
and judgment. And we need to realize, and, we, and when you are sick and, you, and you're having something, then that's getting better. It's this soul-searching time, isn't it? You go and say, God, am I doing something? My lifestyle, am I doing something? You know, is there some sin in my life? I mean, you ask these questions, and it's okay. But don't linger in guilt and judgment if, if you say, oh, gosh, I did, I did uh, you know, I'm living in bitterness because bitterness and uh, unforgiveness does have physical negative effects on our being the longer it's there. And God might want to cleanse you of that and be a part of your healing. All right, let's go to the next one. This is about Matthew getting saved. Matthew giving his heart to Christ. And this is a story I love to spend a lot of time on. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. He was a tax collector. And Jesus didn't just go after, uh, you know, fishermen and uh, other... I mean, a tax collector was like the most unlikely person you'd have make as a disciple, one of his 12 disciples. And verse 9 says this, uh, of now we're in Matthew chapter 9, and Jesus went out... Uh, went on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth, and he said to him, follow me, and he got up and followed him. This, this just, the whole scene would just shock everybody, that Jesus would call a tax collector, and the tax collector would say yes. Uh, if you've been watching The Chosen, uh, the, the, the gospel series about Jesus and also these relationships among the disciples, they really just build storylines around these uh, 12 disciples. And Matthew was a hard one for them to deal with because a tax collector was disloyal to their own people. They said yes to the Romans to, I'm going to join you in in oppressing uh, the chosen people, God's chosen people, and I'm going to financially be a tool to financially oppress with taxes and, and extra taxes and so forth. And, and, and so they were hated by the Jewish people. So the, in this storyline on the, the chosen, they're bringing this out. And sure enough, it could have been a, it taken some time for these 12 guys living together to ever like each other because that's Matthew and he was, he was disloyal to us and he betrayed us and we've had to give all of our hard work and taxes to him, and, we, and that would have been hard to let go. So this whole scene is another shocking scene. Jesus was not a normal kind of guy, and he knew, though, the heart of a man, and he knew that God would not just use Matthew as one of the 12 leaders, but give us, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this gospel. So let's go on and read what happens then. In verse uh, 10, then it happened that as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, uh, behold, many tax collectors and knitters came and were dining with Jesus and disciples. And when the Mar- Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why is your teacher eating with these tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, It is not for those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So he's letting them know, I, this is my purpose for being here. This is why I'm, I'm here, is to call not the righteous, but the sinners. And he commands, follow me, Matthew, to come follow him. He didn't go ask him, hey, you know, I'm going to give this something to think about and I want to ask you if you join our team. No, I'm the king with authority. Follow me. So this miracle number eight is, 
is amazing. There's salvation of what? A tax collector? That's a miracle. And yes, Jesus the King has authority to save and call sinners not just to salvation, but to leadership. I want to tell you a story before I go on. It just happened to me yesterday. I was a part of this. Gerald Terrell is my uh, workout coach. And we've been for over a year, we've been going to Planet Fitness together a few days a week, and he sets up the exercises, and I do what he says. And One morning in early March, he said, let's go to F3. And F3 is, uh, there's over 2,500 of these in different cities around the country that he's started by Christian men. It's just small workout groups. Early in the morning, 5.30 a.m., Tuesday and Thursday at Collins High School, Saturday morning, 6 a.m. And so you end up having this group of men who are, uh, you know, leading exercises and it's kind of cross-training type exercise and it's basically 45 minutes of pain and suffering. And I said, thanks, Gerald. So we've been going for uh, since March and uh, back in March, there was a guy that we got to know and then he got COVID-19, got sick and it really affected him. He was out for several weeks. But then he, he never came back, and some of the guys were reaching out to him, trying to, to get him to come out and come back, and he didn't. And, and, um, and this week, uh, this guy texts everybody and said, hey, I'm coming back Saturday. I'm going to be the Q, which means we have nicknames. They have nicknames and things. Q is the leader, the one who facilitates the, the exercise. So this is crazy. He hadn't been here for several months. He's going to come back and lead the group. This is amazing. Came back. It was so good to see him again. And he, he, he put together a hard workout. I mean, we were just we were just dead at the end of that and had we have a little circle time at the end where we mention any announcements and prayers and 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 before we we were in that circle he said hey i want to tell you you know and, and the backstory in him he was a guy that a couple years ago was in uh addiction to alcohol and drugs got into aa got free of that at the same time got into f3 so he's been exercising there for two years knew these guys for the last couple years and um he um uh but, but, but went away for several months, you know, hadn't seen him at all. And he goes, you know, I've, I've been going through a lot lately, but I want to tell you, you know, for years now, I've had this belief of God, I've known about God, but I've never given my heart to him before. And he said, 48 hours ago, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. And he was very clear. He said, I'm, you know, I, I love him. This is, this, is my, this is my heart's desire. Very clear. And one of the guys says, well, Let's do a water baptism. He said, yeah, why not? And he said, yeah, yeah. And it's like, there's a pond over across the street uh, next to that neighborhood over there. So we jog over there. Uh, myself and another guy, and, 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 and his name is Greg. His real, we have nicknames, but his real name's Greg. Took off our shoes, got in this pond, and uh, did a water baptism right there. He said, yes, when he came out of the water. you want a refreshing you need to get into a water of a lake in a pond with somebody who just gave his heart to jesus i was saying yes in my heart my spirit oh gosh jesus has authority to save sinners the worst of sinners the worst of the tax collectors and call them into leadership instantly there's they have jesus they have his authority in them we don't have to go through yes 
go through discipleship groups, absolutely, but they don't have to start living with authority over evil and darkness until a few months later or whatever. They are full of Jesus right then. Let's go over these last few real quick. I have an important way to end uh, here at the end of Matthew chapter 9, the beginning of chapter 10, to look into the next session together. But the next miracle is the woman who had unstoppable bleeding for 12 years. And she was so desperate. She had finished uh, all of her resources. She had actually gone broke uh, trying to find physicians to help her. She finds out where Jesus is. And three of the Gospels share this story, and they each bring out a little bit different details. But the way the the story uh, is revealed in in these three Gospels is that she was just so desperate, but she couldn't get to Jesus. It was a big crowd, and she pressed through the crowd, and she was able to grab. She said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, if that's, that's, even if he doesn't get a chance to pray for me or see me or anything, if I could just touch Maybe after this 12 years of desperation, God can do something. And it happened. And Jesus said, what, what happened? And he saw her and he said, power came out of me. So this is, again, Matthew is showing the authority of Christ and how each situation is unique. He covers it all. And in this miracle number nine of healing of the hemorrhaging woman, there is authority initiated by the receiver. It wasn't a prayer line and she was coming down through the prayer line. It wasn't a prayer request, come in, okay, we'll pray for you. No, he wouldn't even focus that way. But the, the receiver was just desperate and called out for it and touched the him. And that initiation from the receiver released it. And that's kind of the way I'm worrying this in a couple of ways. The authority can be released by the receiver's faith. And Jesus said to him, daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. And at once the woman was made well. So call out to him. Absolutely call out to the name of Jesus. Next miracle is referring to the synagogue's official daughter, official's daughter. But I want to refer you to another scripture. Ephesians chapter 1, just in my notes. It says, when he, Jesus, uh, when he, the Father, brought about in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. That Jesus was raised from the dead, and of course, he, once he's done that, then he has authority over death. Well, this story, Matthew wants to say, no, he had authority right then when we sought with own, our own two eyes authority over death. And the synagogue official came. He bowed before Jesus, said, my daughter has died. If you would, you know, come and lay your hand on her, she would live. And Jesus uh, began to follow him and, and, and went, went to uh, his home. In Matthew 9, verse 23, listen to the details that Matthew puts in here. When Jesus came in the official's house and saw the flute players and the crowd in noisy disorder, what, what, what is that? In their culture, they had mourners that would come support the family with music, with crying and weeping and shouting and, and, and comforting music to, to grieve and just help them be in there in the midst of their sorrow. And, 
And so here's this group of people helping them mourn the death of, of their daughter. And I believe he did this. Uh, the timing of this is so Matthew is saying, listen, this wasn't a quick death. She wasn't just, you know, or just in a bad coma or something. Listen, the community agreed, knew this girl was dead. They had begun, began the whole funeral processes with the mourning group there. Verse 24, he said, leave, for the girl is, is not dead, but is asleep. And they began laughing at him. They're like, gosh, this guy's crazy. He's just out of his mind. Verse 25, but when the crowd had been sent out, he entered and took her by the, ta- by the hand, and the girl got up. This news spread throughout all the land. So miracle number 10 is raising the synagogue's uh, leader's daughter to life is authority over death. That Jesus had that when he was on the earth, not just after he rose from the grave. Two more I want to mention. The next one is the two blind men. They're crying out, have mercy on us. Jesus heals them. And what I believe is you can imagine what it's like to, to be, you know, a couple blind men, that it's the greatest despair that you'll ever have. Uh, they, they don't have, you know, medicines to bring your blindness back. And this is the type of miracle that Matthew wants us to realize, that even the tough diseases or the tough uh, mountains in your life, those obstacles that seem hopeless, miracle number 11, healing the blind man, he has authority not just over blindness but over hopelessness. Hopelessness that your situation can never change, that that obstacle is so big it can't be moved. This is just the way it's going to be. The prodigal son or daughter that you're praying for, that they're getting more and more into sin bondage, it's just hopeless. No, it's not hopeless. Yourself, I've tried to change in this area so many times. I'm hopeless. I can't, I can't change. I'm, I'm, I'm done here. No, don't give up. The authority of Jesus will break your hopelessness. I'm in too much debt. This is overwhelming. I, I never can get free of this financial ruin. Listen, God is able to break that bondage of debt over your life, over your thinking, give you peace and joy again, and rebuild your life. And you have, will have a testimony someday of being free of that debt and the power of it. Matthew is addressing not just physical things, but the hopelessness of people. The last uh, one that I'm going to record here is um, uh, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 32. And they were going out, and a mute demon-possessed man was brought to him. After the demon was cast out, the mute man spoke, and the crowds were amazed and were saying, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees were saying he cast out the demons by the ruler of the demons. So in this last miracle that uh, Matthew's bringing out, healing of the mute man, the authority is falsely attributed to Satan. 
after all these amazing miracles, people being set free from rejection, abandonment, and hopelessness, and despair, being reunited uh, reunited with their family, being whole again, and being able to walk again. And they say, "Uh, no, we we think that your authority must come from the, 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 the ruler of demons, Beelzebub, and it didn't even make sense, folks. They were calling what was so obviously good evil. They had lost their common sense. Jesus already told them it's common sense in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, when there's a bad tree, there's bad fruit. fruit. When there's good fruit, a good tree, there's good fruit. It's just common sense. You see it every day. It's, it's obvious. And even then, when it was obvious, it was falsely accused of being evil. Now, in my my cluning uh, out of chapter 9, let's just look at a few verses here and kind of let them, uh, these verses, speak to us as we prepare for the next session in two Sundays, uh, uh, digging deeper in what this authority means for us as disciples and uh, as we look at discipleship in chapter 8, 9, and 10. But it says, Jesus uh, was going through all the cities and villages, verse uh, 35, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. And so that's just a, a summary. It was every kind of disease and sickness. That's the summary. So it doesn't matter how bad it is or what it is. He will crush the despair in its power. And then he goes on to say this in verse 36. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. And you praised him. Go ahead and come on. It'd be great. So he's looking at these masses of people. He's been pouring out his, his heart even to the point of exhaustion. He felt compassion for them because they were distressed like sheep without a shepherd. And they knew that. People understood it's so dangerous for sheep to be without a shepherd. So he says in verse 37, Then he said to the disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. So we see that Jesus, he he prays that there would be more workers among these sheep that are distressed and scattered. And he's praying for more workers. He's doing that now. That's a good prayer to pray. God, bring more laborers, more workers in the harvest field. But in the next sentence, in Matthew 10, verse 1, going to the next chapter, Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them the authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. So he's like, yeah, I taught you the disciples' prayer, the Our Father prayer. And it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he's saying, I am giving you my authority so that your will be done and my kingdom can can be done on earth. And he doesn't wait till after he resurrects uh, from the dead and he ascends to heaven. Then he... He gives authority. He did it right then so he could be training them <laughs> that apprenticeship and that, you know, and giving them coverage of, of how it's going, teaching them along the way. So I want to say this authority that Jesus has is awesome. 
And we're going to look more in these chapters about disciple being a follower of Christ and what this, when we have this authority, what this means. But listen, we just got to face the biblical fact here. The way Jesus operates, yeah, he's praying for more workers and he's sending us as the workers. You are sent. And as I close in prayer here with the blessing on you and so forth, it is a, it, it, you, you already have the authority. I'm just encouraging you to use it. I, I'm just releasing it more. I'm just trying to increase it but with giving you some word here and some context and some encouraging scriptures to go ahead and use that authority. You have it. And when you are under authority, you'll, uh, under God and under other authorities, that faith is going to increase. You have it right now. I'm going to ask the altar ministry teams to go ahead and come up. And, and when we close, I'm going, to ha- I'm going to be down here as well. And if, if you're going to be leaving this building, you still feel a darkness over you. If you still feel bound to something, if you haven't been prayed over about a physical illness, and, and we want to pray for you and anoint you with oil as the scripture instructs, you know, don't leave the building. Wait, and we'll, we want to pray for you. You may have come with a friend that loves to pray then have them pray for you. But don't leave the building without prayer. Those online, uh, we have a prayer call line for you. We don't want you to just hang up and go about your day. If you need prayer, we'll have someone available over the next 30 minutes this morning for prayer. So, Lord Jesus... We thank you that you're the King of kings and Lord of lords, and you do have all authority. And it covers all kinds of all diseases. It covers all despair, all hopeless situations, Lord. All demons, no matter how many or how big. And so, Lord, thank you, Lord. We want to say yes to your prayer to send out workers in your harvest field. And we want to say yes, Lord God, to, to using this authority today. Lord, help us not say tomorrow. Help us say today. I'm going to ask them to uh, do a portion of a worship song while we uh, seek God and let the Holy Spirit continue to speak and restore, restore your soul, restore your your mind. And uh, and then I'm going to come back and say a blessing and, and over you, your families, and So let's take a few minutes. Let's just keep our hearts seeking God in worship. Face toward.